circumstance we may be facing, the, any battle, any difficulty, we just thank you, Jesus, that your name is higher. And church, let's just give God a big hand and lift him up right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign and we can trust you. I just thank you, God, that you have a plan, regardless of whether we can see it, God. You are working behind the scenes we just trust you, surrender to you afresh in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amazing, beautiful praise and worship. As always, we're so, so blessed, aren't we, church? I know that my incredible husband, Josh, has a great word for us this morning. And I, I love his heart and I love when he shares. He always um, challenges us and just love his perspective on things. So I'm really excited for this morning. Let's give him a big hand as he comes up to share with us. Thanks, James. Thanks, Sarah. How are we, church? We're good. You're wonderful. That is good. Glad you're wonderful. Cool. Who's had a good week? Yeah, everyone, good week. Lapani, good week? Yeah, good. Cool. Right. What a story, hey? I was, yeah, I, I got to kind of witness it unfold, and um, yeah, he's a blessed man. God's hand was over him. Um, but yeah, it's been a cool week for us. We had our church audit this week, so that's an always an exciting week. I love book work and paperwork and crunching numbers and all that. Um, I didn't do much of that. I just showed up with all the paperwork and Tom did all that, but did an amazing job and the church is going all right. We're not sinking. Um, we're not doing anything illegal <laughs> and that. Um, so yeah, we're going well there. But um, yeah, so that was exciting. Um, who went to the Milton show? Yeah. That's it. Come on, guys. I was I was there on Friday night at the Rodeo, and I was I was with Shane, because um, Shane's cool, and he came along to it. And um, we were just watching our kids run around rolling horse poo, like pretty much was just everywhere. Um, and then we spotted this man, and like oh, I have a thing for beards. I like a man of a beard, and that. And he had this glorious beard, but not only did it go from this glorious beard, it was about down here. He just went to the shave part of his head, and then to this brilliant mullet um, it was curly and just flowed out it was just like all power to him um, and what made it even better it was just full ginge like he wasn't a slight redhead or anything it was just like the ginger was shining through the night and that and that just like if you didn't go that's what sort of stuff you miss out on yep and that and he was not the only redhead there with a mullet and that, so you all missed out, unlucky. But that was an awesome time, our kids had heaps of fun, motocross last night and all that, so it was cool, so it was a good weekend, but I'm glad I'm here now at this point, um, getting to share with you. So, um, you know, for a while I've been, um, I wrote this out word for word, so sorry if I just sit there staring at it. Um, normally I write point form and then I don't have to stare at my notes, but, um, and I had the kids sneak in one by one as I was doing my sermon, just seeing what I was doing, having a chat to me. And uh, one of them came in, I won't mention their name, Tamana. Um, and every word I wrote, he's like, how many words have you written so far, Dad? Uh, I showed him where it was and he's like, 1,501, 1,502. So I've written over 1,500 words. Um, but it was good fun. But yeah, you know, for a while now I've been thinking and, and dwelling on how we do things in church. And, and how we do things as Christians. And, and you know, and the question I've been asking myself is, are we doing them out of formula or what's worked in the past or out of habit or because that's what people do? 
or is it out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and based on what His Word says? You know, how we do church might not necessarily be wrong, but it might not be right, or it might not be for now. And I think we need to continually ask ourselves, why? Why are we doing things this way? You know, and from that I've been thinking about the salvation prayer, the sinner's prayer, if that's what you want to call it, and just asking myself, why do we do it like that? Um, you know, because I've actually never read the sinner's prayer in the Bible. Um, and as I looked into it, it's, it's a 20th century thing. And that, so the sinner's prayer, when you, someone asks you to, um, to ask God into your heart, you say a prayer after them. Like, it's only been a 20th century way of thinking. So how did we get saved before this? Like, how did we get saved before we had the sinner's prayer? You know, how did people get into heaven before that time? Like, how, how did we? Um, you know, like, and before I continue, like, I'm not saying the salvation prayer is wrong. I get why we do it. I understand it. I can see how it's a good thing to do with others and in church and, and all of that. But it's not the only way. Um, so today I want to, I guess, unpack that a little bit, that there's more than one way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to heaven and to that relationship with God, but there's more than one way to that relationship with Jesus other than the sinner's prayer. Um, and I, I want to, um, so I want to talk about that and show there's a few different ways, but also I want to address how religion actually hinders and not only hinders, stops people coming to Jesus. Um, you know, we're in a moment in time where the world is saying that you just need to live your own truth, live your own way, explore, experiment, have fun. Um, you know, that's not how you raise a child. You don't tell your kid to go and drink some Clorox and say, oh, that tastes nice, didn't it? You know, you don't, you don't um, teach your kids to go and experiment in traffic and that, like, you know, oh, you didn't get in, you didn't enjoy getting hit by a car? You know, it's, it's, it's not the way you train a child. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, I don't want to live my truth. Truth is not a concept, it's a man. Um, the church is either conforming, bowing its knee to the world, Sarah spoke on this earlier, um, in her last message, or it's too religious and it's not letting non-believers in. You know, there's too many religious people in church who are getting offended at godless people doing godless things. They're godless, duh. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 5.12 says, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? There are people, religious people, saying, Yeah, God can forgive you, but what is it what you're doing? Tell me what you've done wrong. This is so that they can feel good about themselves. You know, sin is sin. Sam Monk puts it like this. To not sin is like hitting the bullseye every time. Um, everything else is a miss, no matter how far off the mark you are. Everyone is all the same in Jesus' presence. It's not us and them. What the church needs to look like is a church that is both spiritual and practical, that holistic approach to church. And I love this from John Gray. We scream church, but when broken people come in, folk get uncomfortable. This is not a museum for the spiritual elite. This is a hospital for the broken. When you come into church, it doesn't matter who you are, you should feel the love of God and his acceptance. And that's my prayer for this church. How's that done? It's one to another. Through one, our example to each other and to people walking through those doors. When people see Jesus, they choose to follow him. When they see religious, they choose their own way. 
We need to fight for the unsaved. Cool. All right. So, so I'm just going to um, list off a few Bible passages that just kind of show us a way that we, um, you know, can come to Jesus. So John 3, 16, we all, we all know these Have you been in church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So through belief. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So through our voice. Romans 10, 20. I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. So Jesus revealing himself to people. And, and we've had, um, is it Norman... McLaughlin, Norman, someone, she's from Ireland. Um, he, he came a lot for Open Doors and spoke at the church and, he, and um, Open Doors is um, an organisation for the persecuted church. And he said there's so many people over in particularly Middle Eastern countries that Jesus is revealing himself to in dreams. So there's another way, through belief, just believing in him, through calling on his name, through Jesus just revealing himself. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 says, Just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, just, we call on his name. And then um, just in interaction with Jesus, Luke 23, 39 to 43. It was too long for me just to write on my page. Um, what did I say? All oh, right, that's probably easier. One of the criminals ha- who hang there hurled insults him, at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. And us. What? <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that word? <laughs> yeah, spaces matter, eh? But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. I, lo- I love that bit of scripture. And I love that image of that man just saying like, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your love and that. But Jesus is saying, because you recognize that, you're welcome. You're welcome in. Um, you know, and there's many more verses that show the way to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven to be in relationship with God. There are different ways to Jesus. And I just want to unpack one of the ways we can get to Jesus and how religion will hinder this. Through this I'm going to talk about through the um, story of Jesus anointed by the sinful woman in Luke 7, 36 to 50 in the New King James Version. So I'm just going to read that first. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her, her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This is a man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answers and said, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 den- denarii and the other 50. So uh, 500 denarii was about a, day and a, a year and a half's wages and um, 50 was... 
um, about a month and a half. So we need to make sure we put that in perspective. And remember, had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answers, I said, I suppose the one who, whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no, ne- me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this, who even forgives sin? Then he said to the woman, your faith has served, saved you, go in peace. I love that passage of scripture. Um, there's so much in it, and so I'm going to try to attempt to unpack it and that. But first that we need to realise in this part of the picture, scripture, Jesus was in the height of his ministry. People were talking about him, fascinated with him, and for the Pharisees, they wanted to see if Jesus was a political rival or an ally. Inviting, in inviting Jesus to dinner, it was like a plot to see if they could get him to join his merry band of emptiness. But Jesus didn't like hanging with them. He would prefer to hang with the broken for tax collectors and so on. The Pharisees thought Jesus' momentum would give them credibility. Oh, halfway there. Um, it was almost like he wanted. It was almost like they wanted him to choose sides, but Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He didn't need a side. Heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool. He was here to bring heaven and establish and establish it on earth. Um, John Gray um, has also said this. Um, in America, but the church, and I, I guess it, it's here as well, is becoming so political that it has stopped being spiritual. People say that Jesus is for this or against this, but how dare you minimise the cross to a political pawn? You know, verse 37 um, in this chapter, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. In the first century, a sinner, sinner a sinful woman like that means that she's a prostitute. That's what they're describing. And, and the question we need to ask from this bit of scripture is, and behold, a woman in the city was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood. Is um, one of, where am I up to? And the question we need to ask here is when she walked into the house, you know, remember what she was. She was a prostitute. Why didn't anyone say anything? Why in this bit of scripture didn't anyone say anything to her? You know, if someone walked into my house... If I knew him or not, you'd say something or you'd at least hit him over the head of a pot. You know, like, what, like why was this person walking into the house? Was it perhaps that she'd already been there? Were the Pharisees silent because they were afraid that she may expose them? You know, and I love, um, I love this next part. And this is, yeah, this is amazing. Something amazing happened. And I'll read verse 38. And he stood... And stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet. There's a moment in time where she was sitting behind, standing behind Jesus weeping. And in a moment, she was on her knees at his feet washing them. Now she went from behind him weeping, which was a sign of shame, 
to in front of him weeping, which was a sign of worship. Something amazing, a moment happened um, and there wasn't even a word said. Um, Where is it? You see, salvation comes without a word being said. In a moment of desperation, desperate worship, her life started to be restored. When this woman started to weep, she was responding to that atmosphere. Religious people always remind you of, the wor- of your worst version of yourself. But being in the presence of Jesus will change you. You know, the perfume, that alabaster flask of perfume she used, was about a year's wage. They, well, I think that's what's right. But, um, you know, let's agree, a year's wage is a lot for perfume. And that, I, th- I think 10 bucks is a lot for perfume. So, um, you know, and why did a prostitute have perfume that cost her a year's salary? Why would she have, you know, was it perhaps because it made her feel clean after she'd done something she didn't feel right about? You know, it's good to know that the first century prostitute was probably forced into prostitution. It wasn't by choice and that. So every time... Um, she did something she didn't feel right about. Maybe she used this to make herself feel a bit better about herself. You know, you can see we can mask our problems with things that make us look good or, or make us feel, feel, smell nice or whatever, but Jesus works from the inside out. Um, where am I? 39, I'm going to keep reading. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, so note there's still not a word being said. If he were a prophet, would you know what manner of a woman this is who is touching him? For she is a sinner. Um, you know, I reckon Simon... Oh, hang on. No, I've got to keep reading. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor and, and so on. You know, I reckon Simon thought he was the one who owed 50. You know, the religious always focus on the speck in others and ignore the tree in their own eye. Simon says to himself, if only he knew who this woman was, there was no way he'll let her touch him. But Jesus always welcomed the broken and lost and touched what religion would not. You know, what an example for us. Um, continue reading in verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. She gave me no water for my feet. You know, what Jesus is doing here, back in the day, it was customary for, um, yeah, it was customary for, at the time when a rabbi enters a house, for you to do these things, to wash his feet, to, to give him, greet him with a kiss, to, um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. And um, they failed to do that, but um, this woman did that. You know, um, you keep reading down. Oh, where did it say? It said in verse 34, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, I just love that image. Um, I love that when he turned to the woman while talking to Simon, you see Jesus always turns to the broken but addresses the religious. Um, You know, and, and what also is amazing in this bit of scripture, it said she cleaned his feet with her hair. The Bible tells us in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 15, that a woman's hair is her glory, which is pretty amazing. The glory, yeah, it tells us that the glory of a, wom- of a woman is in her hair, 
And, you know, she cleans his feet with her glory, what makes her beautiful, all that. She cleans the feet of Jesus with it. I find that amazing. And then in verse 47, Jesus just smashes the religious. Um, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. I just love when Jesus smashes religious people. Um, this woman entered into a place where before she could say anything, they could have dragged her out into the streets, stoned her, shamed her. But through desperation and knowing what was at stake, she went and interrupted that dinner. And without saying a word, through tears of worship, her life was turned around. You know, this lady entered in, 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 the, entered in pieces. But what, what was Jesus' last words in that scripture? Go in peace. She entered in pieces and she went out in peace. That's what Jesus does. And she didn't say one single word. Um, yeah, cool. So for those here today who are figuring out what this whole Jesus thing is about, do I, don't I believe? You know, for me personally, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's given me a life of purpose. You know, I constantly have this feeling of acceptance and he's given me this big family to do life with. And that and I honestly can say my life is amazing. And that I have ups and downs. I have moments where, I, like Colin talking about, I'm just not too happy and get a little bit angry, hey kids. <laughs> but my life's honestly awesome. And that because of this acceptance I have with Jesus. And um, but for, sadly for some, that's not how it is. And, um, and if you have felt like this lady at the start of the story, judged by others, looked down upon, unaccepted, you know, like the roof is going to cave in on you when you walk in the church, you know, I'm so sorry that's the way you feel. That's not what church is meant to be like and that's not at all the heart of Jesus. For the people who have faith, I hope this encourages you. I know it has for me. Um, and for those, you know, especially for those who I prayed for and passed away, and that are always in my head, and I, I've never really thought about it too much until, until over the last period of time, but in my head I always thought they had to kind of say that sinner's prayer or some form of light along those lines. But all they have to do is just believe. Without saying nothing, they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. And there's those people... Who, who you might have prayed for. Who knows? And that gives me hope. But when I go to heaven, that's what I'll see. Um, you know, Jesus will fight for you until there is no time on the clock. If he has to add time, he will. He'll send it in the overtime because he's the alpha and the omega. But can I warn you, people who have a faith, be careful of religion. It will keep at you and slowly bring you down. And it narrows the love and the truth of Jesus down to method and rules. Religion, religion doesn't recognise Jesus. It took a desperate prostitute to know that Jesus was in the house. Can I, continue, can I encourage you to continually... This thing's so annoying. It's like I'm on a fairy floss. Can I encourage you to continually check yourself or put someone in your life that will tell you if you're starting to become religious. That's probably not a nice thing to hear, but you're becoming religious and that. But put those people in your life because, man, you don't, do not want to become religious and like one of those Pharisees. Ask questions to yourself. Am I taking his love and grace for granted? That's a sign of religion if you are. 
There's an Equipus um, song called You Won't Let Go and at the start of it goes, Grace, I don't deserve. Love, I cannot earn. Carl Lentz says, The longer you walk with Jesus, the more aware of his grace you should become. You know, are you aware of his grace? Like, if you have a faith now, ask yourself, are you aware of his grace? Or are you finding it hard to have grace for others? Are you taking his love for granted? Or are you showing his love to others? Are you too proud to admit that you were wrong? Too proud to admit that you need help? You know, those Pharisees in this story were. And, And if you were here today and you need a breakthrough in your life, desperate for a breakthrough, can I encourage you to go to the source, Jesus? You don't need words. You don't need to get on your knees and pray for seven hours a day. You know, Jesus is saying, come to me. You are my child. You know, when, when one of my kids hurt themselves, when one of my kids have done something wrong, they don't run away from me. They don't sit there going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or well, one of them does, actually. Um, <laughs> but they just come into my arms and know that, that I'm going to love them. I'm going to accept them. We're going to work through it if it's that sort of thing and all that sort of stuff. And that's what Jesus is saying. You don't need your words. I just need you to come to me out of that heart of worship and that. So that's, that's you. I encourage you to do that. Get desperate for a breakthrough. This woman in this story was desperate. She went into a situation that I can't imagine going into a situation like that. It would have been confronting. It would have been hard. But her desperation saw her life turned around. You know, in Psalm 34, verse 4 in the Message Bible, it says, God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. You know, if we, if we step out in that first act of, God, I'm coming to you, Jesus, without a word said, I'm desperate for a breakthrough. God's always going to meet us more than halfway. He'll meet us at that first step. He just wants you to step out. Um... That's all I have to share. Um, um, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship. So why don't we stand? And if that's you and you, you're desperate for a breakthrough in your life, feel free to come out to the front. Um, we may or may not pray for you, um, but I just encourage you to push in to the source. So Father God, we just thank you for the God you are. Lord, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord God, and we just here today praise you and worship you. Father God, we thank you that you're a God of not just one formula or not a God of formulas, Father God, but you're a God of relationship. Father God, and you want nothing more than for us to come to you with open arms. Father God, we love you and praise you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, for those here, Lord, I just pray that you just help us not to step into religion, Father God, but stay stay on that path that wants to see the broken come into church and wants to accept every single person in. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.